Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Did you intimidate her? Her mother says you wouldn't let her use the phone. Were you intoxicated? Past the point of knowing what was going on. Better yet, don't forget, leave the keys on the TV set. Open your gun from the corner bar. Here we are at the dark, knocking back the maker's mark, scratching up the dollars from my buddy's car. There we go. All right, I'm in Quinns, and the last time I was recording a podcast in Quinns was about two years ago with Steve Diggle from Buzzcocks. On that day, the pub was shut. We had the place to ourselves. Today, it's open. It's business as usual, which is why you'll hear some music in the background, but uh, it's nice and early, so hopefully we won't get any stag do's or anything rolling in here and making too much noise. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I'm here with Greg from The Bouncing Souls. They play the electric ballroom tonight. Uh, the first thing I want to go in on with you, Greg, is Lean on Sheena, right? Okay. That's an all-time top 10 song for me. Okay. Not, not just even in punk. Like I don't know whether it's the lyrics, the melody, the sweet combination of the two, but there is something about that song... That is just musical perfection for me. That's great. Well, do you know the history of it? I want to know about it. Okay. Um, do you know the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones? Of course. Do you know Joe Gittleman, the bass player? I don't. Okay. No. Not Joe, personally, but Okay. Well, course, this is, no, this is, is fun. Yet. Good fun facts. Okay. Joe had a side project called Avoid One Thing. I, I, I think probably early 2000s, and he put out a record, and... Um, it has that song on it. So Joe wrote that song. Oh, wow. Yeah. And we were recording our gold record. It was being produced by Ted Hutt, who is from London, actually. So he was buds with Joe. And sort of at the last minute, he kind of like dropped this on us. He was like, so I've got, I've got an idea. It's a friend of yours, you guys you like, you know. 
Were, Sorry, were you my, prone to doing that before? Had you ever really done that before? Well, like someone else's not, material? Not really, never. So Ted was very delicate about it. It was pretty funny, his approach. Like, we were literally the day before we were start, starting tracking. He was just like, check this out, guys, you know? Like, <laughs> and so very, very subtle about it, you know, almost slipped it in, in there. He's like, we could just track the drums and, you know, we'll see how it goes, whatever. Like, he was very... And we were like, oh, yeah, Joe, this is a cool song. And he hoodwinked you into the situation, basically. Kind of. Yeah. But, but thank God he, he did. He knew. Like, and, and I think um, he, another guy, I can't remember, uh, um, Side One Dummy Records, Joe Sib. So Joe Sib, we call him the mayor of Broville because he's just like, bro, what's <laughs> up, bro? He's like California bro, the mayor of that, right? So he was on Ted. He's like, you got to get the souls to record, you know, lean on Sheena, bro. You know, like, you got to do it. Like, so I guess, and Ted agreed with him. And uh, so that was like, they had us little plan, like, try to get him to do it. So I never knew that, man. It's a cool story. And um, the funny thing is, I'll, I'll finish up. Um, I guess because you just make Joe's, it your own so Joe, much. But Joe's original version had four of the same verses so i was like joe this is so cool like i get it you know ramones dude repeat you know it's fine that's cool it can work so but after that third time like i i to ted i was like i can't sing it the fourth time i can't i just i can't do it so ted's like let's see if we can get joe on the phone so i, I call joe i'm like so he's all excited that we're gonna record it he's beside himself and i'm like dude what's the song about you know and he's like, I don't really know, you know. It was like, it's sort of an unfinished idea. So I get exactly what you're saying when you're like, that fourth verse is uh, not quite, it's not done. I didn't finish it. So he's like, I just, and then he and I sort of hashed it out and kind of wrote that fourth verse. Over the phone. Yeah. Whilst you're basically well, in the studio. We talked like, about it. Yeah, like it was like, you know, within a day or two, I had to track the vocal, you know. It was like, let's figure this out because I, I can't do it like that, and you know. And um, the rest is history, as they say. And it's, <laughs> I mean, is that a staple in every live show you play now? Pretty much, yeah. yeah. Yeah, we might forget it once in a while, but barely ever. What songs can you absolutely not dis, like, disclude? True Believers. Yep. Probably Lean on Sheena. Um, Hopeless Romantic. You know, there's a few times that we've, they've, they've dropped out, but... Luckily, we were kind of banned that like, you know, you, you post a thing on, on the internet and we're like, what songs do you want to hear? And like, there's no repeats. You get like 25 different songs, which I feel is a good, a good thing. A good problem to have. Yes. Well, you've got a lot of tunes. And, and people like the diversity of our songs. And so that's, that's cool. So do you switch it up on the road like night after night? Or do you tend to keep one basic running order and roll with that and then occasionally throw in the odd extra or take something out here or there because you could go Pearl Jam style and we, write the set on the day and mix it up every day yeah. you've got enough songs we've done that we've done every variation we've done like all requests you know ridiculous stuff but uh, on this tour because it's sort of a you know we want to encompass a lot of stuff um, we've been pretty much sticking to a similar set but we'll do what we call the river okay where you know you write the set and then you draw a river in in this part and that's the part where we'll take requests which helps to sort of create that spontaneity instead of it 
being just the same thing exactly every night. We we don't like doing that, but it's nice to have a certain flow, a framework know? to yeah. work within. I mean, thirty years is a trip. Yeah. Uh, do you find yourself on a tour like this one? looking back or do you find yourself doing a lot of conversations like this where you're asked to look back or i mean where's your head at as a group kind of three decades in on a special anniversary tour like this yeah um i just feel really proud man honestly and uh, for not the most obvious things like i mean we're not the biggest band in the world but i'm in london i'm a dude from jersey and you know we're doing a great show we sold out a club in manchester it's just fantastic but bigger than that is like we really like hanging out that was the other thing I wanted to ask you. Is that the secret to the soul's longevity is you do still genuinely enjoy each other's company? Yeah, like I There's couldn't not friction do it. There. No, I couldn't do it. We would, none of us would do it anymore. Like, you know, and I think it's a combination of a lot of trial and error through the years, you know, like touring nine, ten months out of the year for like five years plus. Like, and it just wore us out. It wore me out. And everyone kind of had different ways of dealing with it, you know. And, uh, what was yours? I I was just I was mar- I was the only guy that was married, right? So you so had some that semblance of this, anchorage back yes. home. Yes, and it was like being married on the pirate ship is like nobody likes the married guy on the pirate <laughs> ship. Not that like nobody didn't like me, but like we just started. Everyone just started living different worlds. You're in different lanes, yeah, right? Just exactly. That's it. So we we essentially there's not really any animosity, but we were just splitting off growing up and doing different things so that was hard to deal with because we weren't you know and then you know brian and pete talk about it, it was like we were all just no one was really connecting because we were just off in, in sort of like wild 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 west life you know so we that was like sort of a trial by fire for a few years and as for my marriage as well which survived and I'm very happy about that. Are you a father as well? Yes. Yeah. I've been a father for two years now. Oh, cool. Yeah. So, so that's amazing. And I'm so happy I waited till I'm like almost 50 to have a <laughs> child because those earlier days, I, I don't think I would have been the father present. You want to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. So I, that's amazing. And you, Pete and Brian have known each other since you were, what, 15, 16 years yeah. old? Yeah. Or earlier, yeah. We knew each other because we lived in the same town, but we didn't really start hanging out till around that time, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, we're essentially, we're in our high school band still. And that's rare. You know, there's a few that have done it, but yeah. I think, you know, most people, it's the one kid from high school that finds another kid from another high school, perhaps, and then, yeah. you know, they find pros around the circuits, and, you know, you sort of build it a bit more like a, a group that's kind of, you know, I guess, assembling pieces. Yes. Whereas you guys out the gate were just like, let's start a band, and here we are 30 years later, yeah, so basically the same band. I value the fact that we've, we've all grown up, essentially, navigating all these different things that happened through your 20s and through your 30s. And Together. Yes. That's a lot of history, isn't it? That's it a lot is. of shared, unspoken exactly. history. Exactly. And yes, the music has kept us together. So when the, the times were hardest, I think everybody always went back to be like, there's still a part of this that I really love, even though it's not going well or it's, we've been on the road forever and I'm fried. I don't want to give this up. And like, it just, you see it like bands that break up, they still come back together. Cause it's just, there's the magic of making music for people and for yourself, but you or the paycheck for other bands or the pay- and <laughs> yeah, the paycheck yeah, yeah, yeah. too. I mean, which is understandable, even, you know, because even, if you're in music, that's where you make a living now is on the road, isn't it? Yes, exactly. So all those things. 
Yeah. When did you first kind of hit on the classic soul sound that we now know and love? Was there a song? Was there an album? When did you feel like all the pieces came together and you were like, ah. Yes, there was a tipping point. We struggled. We didn't know. We were really just janky or just out of high school trying to figure out. We liked all this different music, hardcore, ska, punk, like everything. And we were trying to put it all in the same pot and it was not good. But when we wrote uh, the song Joe Lies, which is on our first record, that moment it was like we wrote that song and we're like oh everything else we wrote now we see how how much it sucks you know like or it's just not us and so that was the beginning of us finding what who we were as the bouncing souls yeah at least you got that on your first album though because there's bands like say no effects who maybe their first three albums are kind of unlistenable in many ways and then obviously you know they strike on their sound a few records in you're pretty lucky yeah, we did have a first, uh, the EP that came out. It's just, just it's okay. I, is that out there? Is that it's in out the world? there? Yeah, yeah. It's Ever called playing the, the, off it's that. Called the Green Ball EP. No, <laughs> right. we don't play anything <laughs> off of it. It's not horrible when I think back of it now. Like we really did our damnedest, you know. Like we really were trying, but just weren't there yet. Yeah. Who was the the benchmark for you guys, I guess a big thing about your sound is these huge anthemic choruses right at the center of the most yeah. beloved Bouncing Soul songs. Yeah. Who were the guys or girls or who was the groups that were doing that for you guys and you took inspiration from it and were like, if we can do even half of what they're doing, we'll be onto something. We were definitely inspired by like the, uh, you know, the soccer chants and stuff like that. Just those like big group singing and also as far as like being inspired by like the English bands and that all that sort of cultural stuff that we were like, Whoa, those are so all those, those chants. They're very, they're so passionately, you know, sung and by so many people that's powerful. Right. Um, I saw Bruce Springsteen at giant stadium in New Jersey in 1984. What tour would that have been on? It was born in the USA. Born in the USA. Uh, he, he did, I mean, you think about it now. He did 10 nights. There was 60,000 people. He per did night. 10 nights in a row. <laughs> yeah, per night. I don't <laughs> even think with him that would happen now, would it? No, I don't Those think days so. are probably... It was as, at his height. beyond big. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, he does a thing where he played that song, Hungry Heart. You know. Love that tune, yeah. song starts, you know, as soon as the verse starts, got a wife, and he doesn't sing it. But 60,000 people sing it. So that was a like, transformational like musical experience for me just being like, How old were you at that show? 13, 14. Wow. So the exact right age really to be experiencing like that and having your mind. Mind-blowing as, as ever mind-blowing gets, you know. So I think that absorbed into my system that a few years later when we started being, you know, playing cover songs and hanging out with Pete and Brian and, you know, it, it just was like the idea of singing along was just like automatic. Like the idea of like wanting to sing along or inspiring other people to sing along was just something that we just it was a carrot you're chasing, you know, as, as a creator or a songwriter the whole time. Well, that's what I think makes music so special is it is if you want to go down that road, it's almost a, a spiritual experience because there's large groups of people. You're all on the same emotional plane. Yeah. And you're all kind of exercising whatever shit you've had going on in your life that day out of you and just you know soaking up the moment and that's it and it it truly just doing that 
it it um it breaks away that that disconnect we feel in the world where you know that that uh you know you're, you're alone in the world feeling that we all experience from time to time more than others but um it it breaks that that you know so yeah i think that's probably was our like one of the things that me pete and brian and and everyone else in the band has over the years that was like our main focus to like attack that <laughs> go for the springsteen yeah. yes how important is new jersey to this band pretty important and it, again people have asked me about this too and it's one of those sort of unexplainable things it's yeah. like where you come from it's sort of just so much part of you the little things and how you see things and how you speak and what how you your perspective is it's hard to even talk about it but I get that. you know what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. for every for everyone so um then there's a pride there's always a certain i mean there's a definitely the jersey thing because new york and and all the like sort of crap that new jersey would get from like new york you got this sort of extra like pride like an underdog thing as well that thing yeah that's happening in new jersey a bit and uh and then on top of that when we were coming up all the west coast bands were really becoming like the most popular like the epitaph bands and all that so that's where the song east coast fuck you kind of came from too it was sort of just like just an answer to like everyone just being like whoa so cow so cow yeah yeah, yeah. We assumedly like, a lot of those bands would understand what you were doing and would enjoy that they did track, all though, of right? them did. yeah 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 like yeah. fletcher and like, so it wasn't like an east coast it. west coast beef no, like they hip-hop loved it. like they yeah. loved they got it and loved it as soon as we met those guys you know like um bill stevenson as well like you know he loved east coast fuck you i like your mom he was just like nobody writes songs like that anymore and he was stoked about it when i first met him of course and that was amazing first meeting bill yeah i had uh steven van zandt on this show and he talked a lot about you know the jersey sound and yeah i mean obviously you're you know a lot younger than him but yep. was that still having its impact on the local sort of music circuits when you were growing up that bar band thing was that still a part of it um, what was had, going on when you guys were, were coming up? And they, I think those guys lived in a different type of era. And, and it sort of, it died out a bit, like, because of the world was changing. But, like, yeah, the bar band at the beach, like, there were so many places that, that had bands. And um, we just did an article that, uh, it's called, it's uh, the history of the Stone Pony in Asbury Park. Yeah, yeah. And it goes into detail about those guys, which he might have talked about a little bit, how they like made it, they brokered a deal with the Stone Pony guys to um, play original music, at, like on a Tuesday night, because that's which how was much. Not the done right, thing. Then. Think about it now. They like, wanted top forty hits, covers, didn't they? Yeah, all covers. They wouldn't even let them play original music. So that was how they started doing that. But so when we came up, that wasn't a thing. You know, it was like more people didn't go out to see bands as much. There was like crazy amount of venues in the tri-state area then. But they, by the time we were coming up, it was they were gone. We were playing like little halls that we had to rent out and do all ages shows. So I think the the vibe was still there. The inspiration was still there because we were inspired by all that music and. Uh, and the fact that they just came from right where we came from, that was enough. And put the town on the map, right? Put the, is it a state? Uh, the Jersey Shore, the you Jersey could say. Jersey Shore, yeah. Yeah. Just put it on the international map. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Yeah, what, and what got, was the venue for you where you spent most of your younger um, days? There probably was a seeing. place uh, called City Gardens in Trenton. Okay, and it was like in a terrible neighborhood, scary place to go. Um, but you know, you look at the uh, at the old bills, and there were so many great shows there. Like, so I saw Toots and the Maytals there. I saw Debbie Harry, before, not even as Blondie, uh, Yellow Man. We saw lots of hardcore shows, Meat Men. Um, uh, Red Hot Chili Peppers, like how good those, the, all those kind of like with the them, time. Fishbone, Felonious Monk, like that eighties LA. Just Did you before see Alter. Fishbone back then? No, I've still never seen them. But I had Perry Farrell on the podcast a few weeks ago, and he was talking about that you know exact scene that was Fishbone, Chili Peppers, Jane's, yeah. Felonious. I mean, the Chili Peppers were cool seeing them. Like there was probably three hundred people there, and now that I think about it, and what they became, like they were. It was cool as a teenager to see what they were doing. You know, it was definitely. It, it, were they naked? Were they doing all that stuff? I or? saw them. I saw them on Halloween in New York City, and they fully did the glow in the dark body paint with the socks. Yeah, and it was a great night because like, it was such a freaky scene. First of all, the Ritz in the city in the late '80s. It was the kind of thing where you're like, are people wearing costumes yeah, or, or yeah, not? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah, just yeah. like out there, like. You could have come here any night of the week and they probably look the same in August, you know, or whatever. <laughs> so that was pretty trippy as a as a teenager coming from Jersey. We used to hang out there once in a while, but like that was the next level. Um, was Jersey dangerous back then? Because New York was some, obviously sketchy in as some hell, right? Areas like um, where we grew up was was pretty suburban, and like um, again, like feel very fortunate now to grow, have grown up there about a half an hour. There's some trees, some grass, you know, we, we rode our bikes around and like, um, but very close to all this stuff going on, close to Philly, close to New York, we could take the train right into the city and skate and go to shows and stuff. So, and to Trenton, that place we went to all the time and that was a sketchy area. Um, but, um, Fishbone was one of the greatest bands I've ever seen. I've heard so many people say that. I can't even... Them know. and Bad Brain seem to be the two bands that just inspired yeah. almost everybody to yes. start a band and take that live show to the next level. Like, live, those two bands. Did you see Bad Brains back in the day as well? I had didn't see Bad Brains back in the day with HR. Just a little bit later, we played with them and then played with, play with them when... CB's was clo- doing their string of closing shows. We played, opened up for Bad Brains, and HR sang, and that was cool. Do you know Jake Snufnarowski? Yes. Yeah, he's uh, a good, good friend of mine. He is, yes, he was supposed to come visit my he, house. He recently. he booked that whole last run of yes. CBGB shows, right? Yes, yes. He was on his motorcycle trip. Um, uh huh. He's supposed to recently just going to come out to Idaho, but he just it, plans changed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a dear friend. Yeah, he's a dear. He's fr- a great he's bud. A dear like, friend. Great bud. Do you do the rocks off cruises with him? Have you done those? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've got to get out to New yeah, York he and was, experience. He was them. here for like a year, down in London. Yeah, yeah. Well, he used to run the Brooklyn Bowl, and he got me loads of DJ work there. Oh, cool. And then through that, I got to meet a bunch of agents of various bands. And sure, how I got the flogging Molly cruise ultimately was through a series of events that you know began with That's with great. good old Jake. Okay. He's amazing. Yeah. How important was skateboarding to you guys growing up? It was. Was it right there with punk rock as a? Yeah, I mean, uh, Brian and I, we skate. We spent after school, we'd skate in his driveway. You know, it's just like, I think just those experiences, like bonding and being creative together as friends, like, that's what you do when you're skateboarding. You're like hanging out 
and you're sort of adventuring. You go late night. And when we lived in New Brunswick later on, we kept we would go on like late night skate missions. Like, so yeah, it just it it's it's a uh, and it's it's all part of the same soup. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Well, I remember the introduction for me to so many bands was skate and BMX videos. Like so many bands I discovered, and the yeah. compilations as well. Yeah, we're, were you guys ever on any of those? Were you ever a part of that Epitaph thing? There was one record you put out on Epitaph. One of right? the most influential or most heard was we had a song on one of the first Tony Hawk video games. Okay. To this yeah, yeah, day, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. people who don't even know the band, they're like, wow, I know that song. Where do I know that song from? You know, like, Which track was on there? Uh, I think it was Mantham, okay. maybe. I was listening to that on the way to speak to you. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Have you got a favorite Souls record? Uh, that one, or Summer Vacation, I had to pick one. It, it's sort of like this pivotal thing. Like, But there's, again, like there's so many good songs, but I think as far as a, a whole record... It's one of my faves. I favorites. love Gold Record. There you go. That's an amazing one. That Every, doesn't get talked about enough. Everyone's got a different choice, and that's why I'm like, great. What do we play tonight? <laughs> How many have you got now? You on 10, 11 uh, albums? 11, 10 full lengths, handful of EPs. Yeah, yeah. I fucking love it. Um, yeah. What bands early on for you put their arm around you and sort of gave you a leg up and took you out and put you in front of some big crowds? Um, Was there any that really come to mind yeah um we did a tour in 96 with the descendants and was that around the their sort of comeback yes year? it was like everybody was so excited they put out that record out in 96 everything sucks right yes. yeah yeah um and had some great you know great obviously it's like going to school you know being on tour at that time at that level you know playing to a couple thousand people a night for a, a week or two weeks was a whole new experience just that in itself um and uh just seeing how they operate same with like the money money Boston's and um and no effects and um uh rancid took us out like they were just also just getting you know coming off, starting the whole rancid thing when we started so everybody loved operation ivy so it was like instantly rancid kind of leaped mm -hmm. um but yeah so that's a handful. Have you ever been a party guy, Greg? A, a little bit. Yeah. Like, like I said, in those early days. Yeah, yeah. But it just didn't suit me because <laughs> um, you got to... Was it the voice? Was it more the yeah. mental and emotional fatigue? Was it a combination? A combination, yeah. yeah. Um, I think uh, we all operate, uh, our bodies and, and our minds are operating in different ways. So it's you kind of have to figure out what works for you. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I just had to like quit smoking and like because i could feel i wasn't it was like not focusing on what's good you know and like a punk show with 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 like energy that's just like if i can't exert myself and i'm just out of it it just didn't work for me so uh yeah i figured that out it took a little time but um then i'll drink a couple beers now and then but it's nothing you know it can't really go go hard it's I go hard at the show and then I need to go to sleep, you know, or like come down with yeah, yeah, yeah. a beer and then get something to eat. And that's about that's about my extent. Who was your favorite running partners back in the day? You got any good stories you can share from uh, Crazy Nights Out? I imagine Fletcher from Pennywise, if you'd have ever cut loose with him, would have been um, a force of nature I, back then. Those are the kind of things it's hard to <laughs> it's hard to uh, 
it's hard to bring to mind you know what i mean like we got to be kind of hanging around to stimulate some memory yeah 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 definitely pete the guitar player is you know and pete and brian both they they went harder for way longer than i did i was just like uh the sleeps we used to have we call different you you know we room in hotels i was in the sleeps room (laughs) and uh what and those two were in the I can't even think of it what their name of their room was, but <laughs> that was that was a whole different era. <laughs> With very little sleep yeah, going on. It's like I had to put my foot down at some point. I'm like, there needs to be a room where there's no partying. You know? And that was where I was like, Okay, Greg's in the sleep's room, we respect that. And that's how we got along, you know. It was like we don't want you know, you gotta be happy and, and that's Yeah, you can't stand and we compromised, you know. The guy, so, that's bad news and Yeah, so that's how it works, you know, like and everybody respects each other, and that's how it works, yeah. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What have you got going on or have had going on outside of music or outside of the souls at least? A bunch of stuff. I've started about five years ago with my wife. We started doing like music for kids. Oh, really? Yeah. It's called Playdate and it's been great. It's also another like... Playing to kids or to families? Um, like parents and the well, kids? Well, like, or? yeah, it's sort of for families to share music together. You right. Know, like kid friendly. So the music itself is kid friendly. But Acoustic or electric? A little of both. Right. Um, a huge eye-opening experience as well for me like thinking i'm like oh yeah i've been in a band for a long time as soon as we like wrote some songs and tried it out um we were like i was like man i'm so self-conscious because the kids like they're very you know they're not yeah they're not going to be polite yeah you know like so it was (laughs) or just walk away or you know like they're not interested um so it was kind of a cool like to see what you're made of kind of thing. It was much more uh, personal and even more, you know, uh, you know, to show you where you're at. Did you start right. doing this before you had a kid? Yes. So, so we, was this almost like, let's see if we can be around families and maybe we'll, well start it, our own? It was sort of like, we didn't <laughs> purposely do it. it. Yeah, like we didn't, 
try to do it like intentionally like my wife it started my wife started right doing some writing she's a musician and a songwriter and she was doing some writing and she had this piece that was like this is a sort of like a children's book so i started doing i was like looking for something to do on tour so i started creating art for the story just for like like this for example right now i'd be like off working on some art so we wrote this book i did all the art and like what do we do now we got a finished book let's put it out so we put it out, and then we went on a little tour, just like we do when we're as a punk rock band, you know? We, it was back in the MySpace days. I just wrote to people, and tons of people reached out. We're like, we would love to have you, like teachers who were like punk rockers and stuff, had us in their classes. So was it like families who were Souls fans, kind of, almost, Some, and, and it, teachers? It started, and it came, like there was a lot of them that sort of gave us a start. That We did a little tour on the East Coast, and sometimes we did schools, sometimes we did like coffee shops. And it was great. That was like reading the book. But we're musicians. Like my wife had written a couple of songs. So we brought our guitars and we read the books and then we'd, we'd sing two or three songs. And people were like, do you guys have a record? You know, that's just how it started. And we're like, no, we haven't recorded those songs. They're just a couple of like sweet songs, you know. So that just went on. And then, do you know Mike Park? No. He has a, a label called Asian Man Records. I, yeah, I know the name. Yeah. Put out... Um, early Alkaline Trio records and a bunch of stuff. He was starting a kid's label. He wanted, he had a punk rock label because he had kids and he had music. So he was a catalyst. He said, you guys, I know you guys have really good kid songs. If you record it, I'll, I'll release it. So that was the catalyst for my wife and I. We're like, all right, but Mike's going to put it out. He's excited. Let's finish it. So that's how we started the project. And then just like anything else, we put the record out. We're like, we got to tour on it, I guess. Where do we play, you know? So we did it again, and that was around 2012. And okay. where did you play on that? We run? played in like Southern California. We played in the Northwest. We played in Jersey. In terms of venues, though, what sort of spaces? Um, all kinds of stuff. Right. Coffee shops, like little museums, uh, parks, um, schools, like little like boutiques, like kids' clothing boutiques. Uh, and we played the Asbury Lanes in Asbury Park, which was which was pretty fun. And that was like the Jersey couple Jersey shows were pretty pretty big. Um, so we did we've done two records, and we've done taken a hiatus because we've had our for two years because we've had our, our son. But um, it's been great, and we did like a, um, surprisingly not that surprisingly, but we also did. My wife was inspired to do what we call the uh, Ninja Meditation. So she was like, let's try to do a meditation for kids when they're going to sleep, you know, to sort of chill them out. And um, so we did it. and It was totally different. You know, it was just spoken word. And then we did some sounds, sort of like cues along to help the kids sort of relax. And we did no marketing on it at all. We just finished it. We're like, this is cool. We played it for some people. Like, this sounds great. Great. We just put it out like on TuneCore and forgot about it. Put it out. And... I think six months or a year, Shanti checked and she's like, this thing's getting played like crazy. And it keeps getting played like completely like it's getting tons of hits. Just organic growth. Yeah. Mad. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. What an exciting and refreshing thing to do outside of punk rock. Exactly. As well. it, it was completely, it, it really helped me also bringing that different energy back into the souls just like doing the same and it's the same for brian and pete brian's owns his own tattoo shop now and where's that based in bradley beach new jersey yep pete's producing totally busy 
making great records and and uh so that's also why we get together and we're like high school buds again or better than that because we're not like <laughs> you know it's high school buds but grown up and yeah yeah you know <laughs> mature wiser having fun but still yeah. joking around yeah um there's a lot of bands that i've spoken to over the years and i'm sure you're aware of them because they're quite vocal about their admiration yeah. of bouncing souls a couple of big ones that spring to mind cool brian fall and dave haas yeah both of which have been on the show um is that something that you know makes it all the more rewarding for you to know that whatever inspiration you took you've also passed on to yeah to i younger mean bands I, and I, I just is that I'm, a trip as well yeah i feel so fortunate have so much gratitude to have you know, there's. I think as an artist, you wanna, you're 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 trying to say something that's happening inside yourself, and you want the world to listen to it. Like I, I feel like you want it to respond, whether it's even if it's whatever it might be, negative, positive, as an artist. So if you start seeing all that, it it gives you a satisfaction. It's not the end all satisfaction. It has to be, you know, you have to be okay with it without that. But all that it means a lot and and you know just having the impact where, where the music just helps people in their lives is like from varying levels from just having a good time to like helping them get through hard times like i can't ever under understate that how awesome that is yeah have you been meeting a lot of fans on this run that have been there since the beginning have you a noticed handful, that a handful yeah like uh some i can't remember uh Somebody who was at like a show like back in '96, like our first European tour, was there. A couple, couple people from that, those early days. So that's great. It's a real trip. It is, and man. Do you find that there's now like uh, parents bringing their kids? Are you at that level yeah. yet? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that, and their kids are like adults. Yeah, 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 yeah. Twenties, <laughs> you know, which is super trippy. Yeah. Will you continue for as long as it's fun? Is that the plan? Yeah. Um, we have a plan. So we've been doing this acoustic sort of pre-show thing all year, which we've done a handful of times over the years, like radio shows and in stores, but we never like focused any energy on like acoustic. Well, the songs are so perfectly suited to just stripping back on it. Yes. So now that we've been really just chipping away at it and doing it every day, or every other day, we're like, this is great. So we're going to do a record. So we're already booked in to record with uh, Will Yip, who recorded our or produced our last EP, just came out, and we're gonna record an acoustic record. And so, will yes. that be new songs or old songs acoustic? It's gonna be no, maybe one new song, maybe nice. one or two. Yeah, but yeah. essentially, it's we're gonna we're doing the hardest part is to sort of choose. You know, we want to choose what we're gonna do. Excuse me. It's all good. Um, That's the soda and orange, ladies and gents. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, yeah, we're in the quiet part of the day here. <laughs> I did think, I was like, should I get a Guinness? I was like, no, nah, I'm going to get judged by Greg. We've only just met. I can't be ordering a Guinness at midday. I, I was like, maybe a half a pint, you know? <laughs> <laughs> we can get one after if you want to celebrate the end. Maybe. Um, I wanted to ask you a couple more questions before we wrap. Um, excuse me if I'm being ignorant and uninformed as well, but is there a either Bouncing Souls book or documentary? And if not, are either of those things something you would like to do? Well, we did release, um, I th we have them here. You should check it out. It's a, it's a full uh, like photo book, 100 pages, stories and photos from uh, our 30 years. It's called Bouncing Souls 30 Years, 30 Years of Life with the Bouncing Souls. Um, 
and that's I'm really proud of too. So, so we, it's like a nice high end scrapbook of the, pretty the much, full kind of story. Much. Like we Amazing. collected, we were. Have you had pretty like several photographers that have been with you a lot over the years, or is it just like kind of everyone that's been a handful on the journey one, along the way? Yeah, one of them is he kind of took the reins to sort of like him and a, and a guy who did the graphic design work on it. Sort of they sort of did the book. We just gave him like tons of material, and we had this cool pretty clever way of, of getting stories from fans. We did this thing on Instagram called hashtag soul Sunday. So every Sunday we would ask people just like write a, just any random Instagram post about something that happened to them related to the souls. So we would get people unknowingly like they weren't writing for a book because people get, yeah, then you get conscious, Everyone, right? And yeah. if you're not used to doing that, you criticize and you hold back on your true thoughts and feelings. Don't exactly. You? Yeah. So we got some cool, like, you know, very off the cuff type of little stories in there. And also a lot of stories from our friends and close friends who knew us and other bands that we like. And I think it's great. I'm proud of it. And it's fun. That it's like we did that, you know, because we talked about it for 10 years. Like we have all this material. What are we going to do with it? So that's really cool. It's done. Will there be any left at the end of the tour that people can get online, or is it yes. an on-tour only thing? It's a bit, we already sold out of a uh, first pressing, so wow, that's that's also cool. So yeah, but they're available online. I think it's a little pricey on, on the shipping here. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the UK, but, but they're a true believer. They'll pay. Yeah, or maybe you know you can <laughs> get it tonight before we leave. There you go. <laughs> um, I wanted to ask you, as a father, right in the world we're living in now, not to go too sort of serious at the end. Yeah. But do you worry about the future of the world for your kid now? Um, I think, you know, this is, again, this is in, in, in theory, worrying doesn't get us anywhere. No. Or right? complaining online. Right. <laughs> doesn't do anything. No. So yes, those feelings come at me stronger than they used to, you know, cause now I have someone I really, really care about that's going to be in the world after I'm gone, as opposed to, well, I'm just going to do what I can while I'm here and then see ya, you know, but Yes. Um, and I think, you know, I do practice meditation and, and I do practice. Um, do you do that on tour as well? If I, when I can. I, I, I imagine it's fucking tough trying to fit stuff yeah. like that in on the road. Find a, a room, first of all. Is. Yeah. So, <laughs> again, it's loose. And meditation to me, it, it's not about like striking a pose and, and you know, all that. It, it, it's, it's also like a, a minute by minute practice as well. So, like, meditation is you, you can live your life in meditation uh, uh, you know trying to stay focused and com keeping your everything that they teach you to do in meditation you know you don't have to sit down in one place to do it but that's how you start you know to, to find that center so anyways a lot of people just to quickly focus in on that a yeah. lot of a lot of punks seem to be getting into that well um when you break it down it's it's not weird at all i mean we're like we don't want to do what everyone else does. We want to, we're like trying to find what's different. We're, we're trying to find what's real and like what, where, where do we go for that? Like, so to me, it's like, you know, you don't want to buy into what everyone else is doing or just like being a robot and just like consumerism and yeah. technology. And so where do you go to sort that out? You've really got to go inside. Like you're observing your environment and then you're just like processing it and being like, how is this working for me? Am I just going to get blown around by all this whatever bullshit's going on? You know, whether it's the media 
or what's popular or money. You know what I mean? That's probably the biggest one. We're all scrapping to survive, pay the bills, and those things can completely consume you. And you know, so. Well, I guess that's why it's called consumerism, right? I've never even <laughs> thought about it that way. But it is. It's like, careful what you wish for, because that really will eat you up from the inside. Yeah. Right. So I think that's the challenge. And, and that's, again, this is how I try to zero myself out when it comes to my son and, and, and the way I, my life literally, you know, against all odds, following my creative, I, wacky ideas. Like, my parents were supportive, but they certainly weren't like, very like my dad was just uh, Greg you got to go to college you old know, school like, yeah and and like he's like go ahead do that band thing and but you, you know get your degree you, and let then, me know if you want to yeah. go to college I'll yeah, help yeah. you out um but he he wasn't negative about it you know which was I give him lots of credit for and then just quickly a few years in the first time it really struck my dad is when we played City Gardens in Trenton came home with we had like two or three shows and then I came back to visit him, and he's like, how's it going? You guys had some shows? I'm like, how do they go? I said, good. I said, we made $10,000 in T-shirts. And he's like, double took. <laughs> it, it, he, like, this light went on. He was like, what? So from then on, he's like, maybe this, what is this thing you're doing? You know, barely paying attention. So anyways. Um, so proud dad. Yes. Now he's extremely proud dad. And so all our parents are. And that's also an amazing feeling. Um, but try to reel this back in. Um, I have to have, I mean, it sounds corny and stuff. It, it's, it has nothing to do with religion. But I have to have faith in th- what following my own intuitive feelings, following my heart, whatever words you want to make sense or, you know, whatever makes sense for that um i trust that my son will have the same thing and that he will also have the power and already does in his like heart and soul to create his own world within this madness because that's what we did you know and I, i i truly believe everyone has that capacity um you know you, you the world isn't you're not subject to the world or you are to a certain extent, but you have the power to, you know, obviously create and exist on your own terms. You can, you to can a large do it. extent. Exactly. Yeah. You, I get you that know, completely. understand you're a self creator too. You've created well, your own podcast. Done with this show. Exactly. That is basically dodge the, the rat race for as long as possible and stay free and be happy. And, you know, yeah. I think that people feel like you have to work to live. But really, it's like no, you can, you can, you can do both. Yes, and enjoy both. Yeah, and there's no getting around having to be responsible and work and pay to some extent. And, yeah, but is is you can do it on, on your own terms, you know, to varying levels. I think. Yeah. And if you get to do it, I mean, the one thing that I'm always slightly envious of is this is very much like a solo venture. Yes. And obviously meeting and connecting with people is why I love it so much. But it is at the end of the day, it's like it's me out there on my own. Yes. And what I've always thought, and it's the same when I go on the DJ tours and stuff, it's like, man, I wish I was in a band with a group. You've got that gang, you've got your brothers and sisters looking out for you. Yes. And that's a really cool position to be in. It comes with its, I'm sure, own pros pros and cons. cons. You you know, I I totally get it because I've done, you know some solo shows and stuff. I'm like, it's harder, you know, it's easier to have a gang, but also 
you are in the end you're like king of your own empire you know exactly, which yeah. is which has its perks <laughs> thank you for pointing that out it's good to remember you're isn't just it like, it's like man i'm out here on my own it's like actually i can do what i want i don't have to really, answer to another guy yeah so <laughs> yeah it, and uh, everything like that has its pros have and cons, their pros yeah. and cons like and it's awesome to have your gang but it's also be like i'm just gonna change my mind and you can reach out to people for advice, you know, I mean, but in the end, you know, you're the big boss, you know, you can be like, ask, invite people in to help you make choices or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. What's the best thing about being in the Bouncing Souls for you, Greg? Um, just like having something in life that's been so meaningful on so many levels for me to be able to like create music, learn from all these extended experiences, see the world and um, have meaningful relationships all over the world. Like, and it's helped me learn, you know, to have a better marriage and all, on every level. It's helped me become the person I am. I don't even, I don't even know how it's so deep. <laughs> Isn't it funny that, you know, this industry can really chew and spit people out. But if you can navigate those seas, it can enrich your life so much. And it's yeah. it's such a shame that sometimes some people allow the the negative side of it all to weigh them down and beat them ultimately, isn't it? Yeah. And I feel fortunate because we've created a best or good enough relationship with our audience that we can maintain it, you know, financially, you know, to be able to come here and it's still worth it for for us and you know for people coming out so i feel super fortunate and it's it's not easy and i think it's not easy for anybody but uh it's rewarding so it's better to have that work hard and feel good about it than work hard and feel like that lack of of self-satisfaction i think yeah what a pleasure talking to you my friend cheers cheers thanks for coming on the great show. being here i'll see you tonight i'm looking forward to it all right see you later nice one dude good chat I met some people along the way Some of them did, some of them stayed Some of them walked, some more gone by Got a few friends, I left it, I died From all these people I chat to them Some of them shine, some of them burn Some of them rise, some of them fall But good or bad, I love them all Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.